Welcome to another episode, short episode for the weekend, uh, just the investment fallacy of uh, low population cards, low pop cards. It's There's a lot of touting of, of low pop, none better, all those kinds of things. Nothing wrong with that, but as most of these investment fallacy uh, episodes that I've done, there's perhaps more to the story. So thanks sponsors, Tops Panini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. I mean, it, the, the, the low pop cards affect all of those. The, the, the card companies are putting out cards that wind up having low population, whether it's a low population grading. When we think about low pop cards, we're mainly talking about grading, where the pop report, as it's commonly known, is basically telling you how many cards were graded and what grades they got. And so you'll know if some, how many tens are out there, how many 9.5s, how many nines, uh, all the way down the line. On the other hand, there's several grading card companies. So you'd, you'd have to, uh, uh, check each one of them out. Each one of them has some things that they uh, do more of and less of. And so as you become more uh, savvy in the hobby, you can kind of figure out which pop reports are more uh, crucial for the card that you're considering. So the problem with pop reports, they, they, they're not a complete census of every card that's out there. So if they're, if it's a one of one and it gets graded, well, then you don't need a pop report for that. But if there are, and if it's serial numbered, you generally but for these non-serial number cards, a pop report is an indication of how many have been graded, but only in the sense of how many have been graded so far. And if it's this year's cards, they'll, they could be cascading in later. You have the additional factor of cards being crossed over. In other words, somebody has a, a card from a certain grading card company in, in that grading company. They, they want to get it in the other slab. And so they submit it to be cracked and uh, regraded from the other preferred company. I don't regard this as a big problem. I think it's a dynamic element in the hobby. It would be a big problem if the uh, amount of cards crossing over was was more than 10%. On the other hand, if people are crossing over certain brands all the time, why are they going to them in the first place? So there are some lesser, less well-accepted grading companies that, uh, that, that do get crossed over. There's also the factor that the ebb and flow in the industry is that some cards are perceived as not worth grading at some point in time, and then they get a hot streak, and then all of a sudden people want to grade. Well, there's a lag there, and you can't go by the pop report, because as soon as a bunch more submissions come in, which could be the case, you're in a situation where your uh, seemingly rare grade may be compromised with the addition of a bunch of a bunch more coming in. So some people make decisions of whether to grade cards based on the raw value of the card, if it's above a certain value, but I don't think that's the right question. The real question is, is what are the odds of getting, uh, and not just the odds, but what, what do you reasonably uh, expect the grade would be and what price would that grade be? It could be a $5 card, but if it's so condition sensitive that in a 10, it would be uh, many times uh, more valuable than the cost of the grading, then you might want to go for it. But you've got to be able to pre-grade or, or grade. If you can't, the grading card companies are going to really love the fact that you give them a lot of cards, but uh, you, you've got to be able to figure out uh, what's going to get a good grade or not. And pretty good is not very good when it's when it when it's cards the the grading companies are are certainly strict and and they need to be there's on the older cards another dilemma with low pop is that i know and i know cuz i was personal friends with a lot of these i guess pretty much all guys that had uh, huge collections and none of their cards were graded none zero okay they were philosophically against well if they pass away and those that were a, a generation above me many have passed away well the first thing the auction house or whoever's dealing with the collection the surviving spouse they get them graded and again, that's another splash into the into the uh, pop report. And there's, I just want to tell you, there for vintage cards, there's still a lot of cards out there that are older, that are in nice shape, that haven't been graded yet. 
If you look at the grading uh, pop reports, you kind of can see something that looks strange sometimes when, because of the set registry set, some are more conducive to that than others, you'll see a lot of grading activity on on uh, commons, uh, semi-stars, stars, and obviously the superstars for some, like a 53 top set or 71 tops baseball, they're, they're, they're condition sensitive. And so you're going to get some, you're, you're going to get a lot of grading activity when people are trying to uh, get the premium that comes with a higher grade of a, of a tougher condition sensitive set. Now, another factor, I think, that's, again, counter, counterintuitive is that on some of these modern sets, and, and many of you, that's, that's the primary thing that you collect, they're overly submitted for grading in some cases. And so if, if so many cards get graded and, and the prevalence of tens is really, really high, then, well, actually, that's the pop report is telling you that. If there are that many tens and 9.5s, then the quality control on that set might be so good that the premium for for that particular player, that card is should should not be as high as you might think. Another rule that I do, so I don't grade. I mean, I, my first pass is to see what's the raw value of the card and whether or not it's going to be coming in at a grade that is at least above what uh, the the raw value would be. For smaller print runs, if you have a card that's a, a one of a thousand, I well, I'm less likely to grade the card as as the the, the number of cards produced keeps shrinking. If card is a one out of ten then I'm more likely to grade that, but more for the protection of this lab than a perceived or actual value bump. One of a hundred, again, that would, or one of a thousand, now you're talking about differentiating the copy you have as one of the better or best cards of that, uh, of that run. Again, you get the protection, but you have a chance to get a value bump. Again, like I said, it could be a $50 card, uh, $50 card, you know, you don't want to spend $50 to grade it unless that $50 to grade it, which probably is a walkthrough service, uh, would be a chance at $500 and, and not just an off chance, but it, but a reason chance based on your looking at it with a loop and being able to uh, figure out what you have. So, uh, low pop report. It's a good thing. I'm, I'm glad there are pop reports that I'm an information guy. More information is better, but use the information wisely just because something is low pop right now for newer cards or older cards. It, it is not static. There's a dynamic element to it. And when people, there's now more and more people that are going after nines instead of tens as the price gets driven up. Nine, there's a, there can be a huge drop off there. And a nine card in almost every service is still mint, which back in my day was, was the best. Now we got gem mint, you got pristine and all that. So at any rate, have fun collecting, stay safe and uh, enjoy your high pop cards as well as your low pop cards. And I'll be back tomorrow with another episode.